Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is Jill Eng, who is an Alexander Technique teacher currently living in Portland, Maine. Uh, she also is quite involved in Eastern philosophy and meditation methods, and she has created a process she calls Mindful Reality, which incorporates aspects of the Alexander Technique, of, of which she is a certified teacher, and some of these uh, Eastern processes. And we're going to talk about the connections between them in this interview. Jill, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Well, it's good talking to you. And before we get into the weeds here, could you say a little, give a very short definition or description of the Alexander Technique about which our listeners may not be familiar? So, of course, the Alexander Technique is quite broad, but the aspects that have been the most um, important to me that I think capture the bulk of it would be um, basically our our what I refer to as our fight or flight reaction um, to life really um, so our reaction to the thought of anything the thought of doing something tends to put us into a, um, uh, a muscular ten- tension reaction um, so fight or flight Alexander teaches us how to come out of that um, and the other very important part of Alexander technique for me is that he pointed out that the body is a whole and that means that every single thing that we are ever doing our head is part of the rest of our body and of course part of the activity so those two aspects fight or flight coming out of it and the body as a whole right and and just historically uh, Alexander technique is probably best known for helping people with things like back pain and neck pain or performance anxiety for musicians and actors, that sort of thing. It's, it's not generally thought of as a meditative or spiritual practice per se. Would you, would you agree with oh, that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And um, yeah, absolutely. So I just, yeah, but for me and what, what draws together my work with Alexander is very much this, this um, physical contraction that is the cause of so much pain for people in their backs and their necks and their hips and as performers and musicians and dancers and you know public speakers use the work it helps you be the most efficient in your body as you possibly can be and that physical reaction which is basically muscular undue muscular shortening or contraction that is the tension that people talk about when they say they're tense right Absolutely. It's, it's a real thing grounded in the body. So now, could you could you say a little bit about the process you've developed, Mindful Reality, where you bring these, um, for want of a better word, Eastern ideas uh, in, in combination with Alexander ideas, I assume? Yes. So... Um... A lot of mindfulness work is about what they call self-inquiry, which is basically, you know, questioning, questioning the way that you do things or questioning the things that you believe. In, in Eastern 
um, practices, it tends to be wrapped around thought that we would, you know, question our thoughts or question the, uh, you know, truth of our thought process. And in the Alexander Technique, um, when, for example, we need to get out of a chair and you're in an Alexander lesson and the teacher asks you to get out of the chair and, and you notice or the teacher points out all this tension that builds up as a preparation to get out of the chair. And underneath that is sort of a belief system, mm-hmm. whether it's conscious or subconscious, that you can't get out of the chair without this tension. So that, you know, the, the, the reaction, the tension reaction is necessary in order to get out of the chair. And so that's a type of inquiry or self-inquiry. So in my work, in the mindful reality work, um, it's, it's of a different nature, but it's, it's based. So the things I learned in the Alexander Technique had to do with this fight or flight reaction, which tends to distort your, your perception of what's real in your body. And then it also distorts the fact that you're a whole, a whole body. So I'm going to stick with the, the wholeness for the moment. Mm-hmm. So I developed this work because I was one day just sitting in my in my bedroom, and I was very hyper aware of my physical body as a whole in the space, sitting there on the bed. Because as a teacher of this work and a dancer, I'm very aware of of my body in the space. And I was mulling in my mind over some problem, um, and all of a sudden it came to me now I had been steeped in all of this work for many many years but it suddenly came to me that this body that was sitting here was absolutely the only me that existed you know in our minds we tend to have a a concept of of us in our mind in our thought in our stories in our movies in our mind but in reality my body is here and in Alexander's work because he points out that the head is part of the body I think it's very important because in general most of us walk around all of the time lost in our thoughts that Alexander called mind wandering Mm -hmm. and not the least bit aware that our head is not only part of our body and on our body but that we you know your head is attached to your spine all day long it can't like leave your body and go attend to your problems and the things that you that you want to be taken care of because you know you're worried about them in the world your body your head your whole body is here and only here all the time on the surface that it's on Mm -hmm. Um, and so just to say so this was sort of mind-boggling for me that it didn't matter what I thought I could do to fix my problems I realized that I can't leave my body because I am only my body. Mm-hmm. Um, and feel free to interrupt. Well, me and your and not just your head, but your mind is part of your body, right? Yes, it, but the yes, my mind is in, is part is my brain is inside my skull is inside right. my skin is part of this body. But right. my, my what was you know important to me and what I learned or drew from Eastern practices was that the messages in my mind that come through in thoughts or feelings or emotions, whatever message comes to us, basically is often, at least for me, telling me that I should not be doing what I'm doing or I should be doing something else. I think this is something that many of us suffer from, a feeling that we're not doing the right thing, we're not doing enough. Um, But in reality, so doing, so the question for me was what is doing? 
what is this word doing that we always feel like we need to be doing something to fix our life? So I wrapped my work around the word action. And through the Alexander work, and I think the, the, the Buddhist and Hindu influences of non-duality, that there's only one reality and only one way that things can go, uh, my focus was around action. And I, I am actually now in my third book where I really make a big deal about this because action is basically only existence because we are of matter. So this is something else I learned early on in the Alexander Technique. I was lying on a table and the teacher brings my awareness to the fact that I'm a body of matter, you know, and I am made of weight and I am on the table because of gravity. So because of gravity, our whole body, because we are always only a whole, is always 100% of the time on some surface whether it's a you know a piece of furniture that's on the ground or the ground itself mm -hmm. so we are always on a surface so two things one the fact that we're always a whole body with our head attached to the rest of us and the fact that we're always on a surface are two things that we never feel like are actually true about ourselves mm -hmm. we're not aware of them because we're focused on our thoughts and our mind and so these are the two cornerstones for me that are that I share with Alexander work. One is so the fact that I'm always on a surface because of gravity, the relationship of the body to the surface. Like right now I'm sitting on a chair. Mm -hmm. My body on this chair forms a sentence because really what we're calling action is just what we call something. So the sentence would be I am sitting on the chair. Right. So that's my that's my action. That's my current action. And because existence is something that is, you know, again, another big word in my work was is the word involuntary. So there are certain things, you know, that I listed that are basic realities about life that are involuntary that 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 we have no choice about, but we also get for free. So existence would be the first one. Right. So you're born, you're mm -hmm. conceived, you're born and you have. You, you exist and you had no choice in that. So that's an involuntary thing. You know, it, it happens to you. So if you exist, you are of physical matter. We are, we are physical. So if I exist, then I am subject to the laws of physics. Mm -hmm. You are a person of physics, so mm -hmm. you would understand this. So I am, I am subject with no choice if I exist to to the biggest one for us, which I think would be gravity. Now, gravity, and again, this is something that we are never aware of. It is something the Alexander Technique would make students aware of, one way or another, but generally we, we are not thinking about this. So gravity automatically binds me to some surface. Mm -hmm. right. there, is, there is absolutely never a time that's not the case. So if I am bound to a surface just because I exist, that means that that is my action for the moment because we just you know said that automatically makes some sentence that relationship of the body to the surface i am sitting on the chair so if i'm in that activity which i can know that i'm in it by looking at my body all i have to do is look at my body and then look at the surface and i have full proof that this is my action if i am in this action 
that means I cannot be in some other action at this moment because it's physically impossible. So this is where my work took off for me because I was very much feeling the inner pressure from certain life changes I was having and you know concerns I had that I needed to be doing this and I needed to be doing that and I needed to be making sure this happened and that didn't happen. And then I would look at my body and I would look at the, you know, sitting there on the surface that I was on and realize I don't have a choice than to be in this activity right now for better or worse. So, you know, this takes a veering off of some aspects of the Alexander Technique and it follows more. So my overall message in my work tends to be a little bit more Eastern based in the sense of non-duality and what and the acceptance of the way things just are and part of that the way things just are is what I'm doing in this moment and the choicelessness over that now I'm going to before this podcast interview is over I will very much pinpoint the difference between that element and a message that comes through in Alexander Technique, which is very much about choice mm-hmm. and you know um, the free will to make a change in the moment in what you're doing, and how my work is very is saying something different than that, but it explains why they both exist. Mm-hmm. Um, so it so my work started with this, you know, it's physically impossible, no matter what thought I am having. You know, regardless of any thought I'm ever having in the moment, my body is still always doing whatever it is doing. And I am very inclined to not argue with reality because I really don't see a way out of reality. But this awareness of my physicality and my physical wholeness on a surface is my tangible, substantial proof that I am doing something all the time. You know, we often feel like we're not doing something or doing the right thing, but you're always in an action. So, you know, my work can either really soothe the mind. Like for me, these realizations soothe me. For others, the aspect of choicelessness and acceptance would not be something that would be liberating. So I'm just going to very briefly, if I can, go through the sort of cornerstones of, of, you know, the work that um, will then take me to you know complete it all so involuntarism was something I learned um, in Alexander Technique my teacher had you know maybe some different ideas I don't know that every Alexander student learns this but basically that if you notice if you leave yourself alone that your body breathes by itself right and your heart and your heartbeat beats by itself Um, So these are involuntary functions in the body. So I basically just expanded on involuntary functions in our body and also things just in our life we get for free. So the first one I already mentioned, existence, which would come through conception. So that would be, you know, your first one. The second thing that is involuntary, meaning that it's automatic, you get it one way or another, if we like it or don't like it, is the wholeness of the body you know, barring any kind of amputation. There is never a time that our parts are not always together. Mm -hmm. Um, The third thing we get for free that's involuntary that that we have no choice about is gravity, right? So 
that binds us to a surface that automatically puts us in some kind of activity or action that I'm calling it. Now, the fourth one is, I think, my own, you know, awareness that didn't come through Alexander work that I find fascinating because, again, all of this work, even to me, is completely mind-boggling all the time because it's not the way we normally think. So, time. Time is involuntary for us. The clock moves by itself. But we feel through our effort and tension that Alexander work addresses, we feel like we are pushing time forward with our own effort and that we are pushing ourselves forward in our actions. But that's, that is an illusion because the way that the next moment arrives is basically because the clock changes and the clock is just, you know, a symbol for earth revolving around the sun and rotating around itself and it's very bizarre to sit there and sort of realize that even as I'm speaking now and we're all listening we are already in the next moment the next moment just is upon us Mm -hmm. and in that next moment we are in our next activity and this is very strange, you know, if you, if you sort of slow down or even if you just stare at the clock, you realize that you cannot prevent, quote, next from happening. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, your action, you know, is decided for you in a way. And all the only relationship you have to what you're doing is to see it. And by the time you see what you're doing, It's basically over because time keeps moving and and the consciousness, the awareness to see what you're doing is already a little bit delayed. So this was very huge, you know, so basically that means your decisions, your choices are made involuntarily and that is a big deal for people to swallow, though it goes very much hand in hand with much of Eastern thought. And then the next, the next reality that is again comes out of this and this is hugely liberating if it makes sense to you is that every single thing you me or anybody on the planet ever does is always correct now I don't mean correct or right in the sense of just I mean that it's the only thing that can physically be happening because it's happening beyond our control and this means that I, in my actions, am always right in everything I'm doing, and I should be doing this, and I shouldn't be doing something else for one reason and only one reason, is that it's physically impossible. And then just to add on, this is the last thing that I just add for people because I think it gets very confusing, is that thoughts... Thoughts and feelings and emotions and and consciousness and the ability to, you know, be aware of anything, anything coming out of your mind is also involuntary because the brain is an organ that functions involuntarily like the heart or your lungs and decisions and thoughts and emotions and all of these perception and memory and all of these processes occur in the brain and the brain operates without a self that is directing it the brain is directed by physical laws 
So that's a lot to to say right there. Um, well, these- maybe you know um, we have a bit of a time constraint here, yeah, but yeah. maybe it would be good if you could say briefly how these understandings that you've come up with how are they helpful in a practical way for someone who comes to you for a lesson or reads your books or whatever what's what's the practical implication of all of that okay so the practical implication is that um, most people are struggling with some kind of emotional pain that um, that they feel like they need to fix their life or fix something in their life or they feel guilty or anxious or depressed or so my work more addresses psychological freedom um, than Alexander's it seems tends to be a little bit more physical so a person is upset about something I mean it's, it's extremely practical so if you came up with any if anybody out there is familiar with Byron Katie's work it's very very similar um, so it's a, it's a self-inquiry practice that means I'm putting a thought up against the physical reality. So my work I call, you know, it's based on your physical reality. So if I have a problem like, you know, I'm, I feel like I need to be doing something to help my son with his problem. Or I feel like, I, you know, anytime you have a stressful thought, I would ask somebody to bring it down to what is the action that you're feeling pressure to do? Because I think most of us suffer from the feeling that, that, we feel like we need to do something to save ourselves or someone else from a situation. So I feel like I need to do fill in the blank. And then I would just, you know, work with the person and say, you know, so, so, so is that physically possible? So what is action? Action is what we do in real time. And this is the gap because we, we, we are lost in our thoughts and our thoughts don't occur in the stories in our mind are not taking place in real time. They're imaginary. And the only thing happening in reality is what's happening by your body, which is your person, in real time. So if the person is sitting with me in the room and sitting on the couch and feels like they need to do something, the only way to do something is, is with your body. So your only tool for action is your body. And if your body is here right now, physically doing this activity, you know, sitting on the couch, listening, talking, then it's not possible to be somewhere else at this time and so so the work sort of you know stems from that um and i think if people can really go through those things that i just listed for themselves and realize okay so i'm a physical body you know touch yourself see that you're there in the space understand that 100 percent of the time you're on some surface which means you're, you're, you're there. You can't be somewhere else. So it's really playing with the difference between where you are in reality and where it feels like you are. And the feels like is the illusion. Um, so, you know, if you, if you talk somebody through, okay, so um, I can't not be here right now. That means I can't be doing, you know, this, 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 or this. So the work is a practice and the person would first have to really 
agree with the physical basic realities that I point out, which I think there would be nobody who wouldn't agree with them. It's just that then you have to make that next leap to, but it feels like I can do something. It feels like I could go do that thing. So you take the task, the stress that you're feeling, and you break it down to an actual action. Okay, I'm having a, you know, an argument with my, my husband. And, um, you know, I, I feel like I need to do something to fix it. Okay, what would that entail? Uh, a phone call. I need to call. I don't need to call him. Okay, so what would a phone call entail? Uh, I would need to, you know, pick up my telephone. Okay, so are you with your telephone right now? No. So is it possible to be with your telephone right now if you're not? No, but I could get to it. It's like, okay, but or, but how? And then, you know, the mind would go through all of its ways, but this is constantly bringing a person back to the reality of their physical, you know, placement in that moment and to prove to, to, to himself, him or herself, that it's not possible to do the thing I feel pressure to do right now. So in conclusion, what does that mean? It means that you're not supposed to be doing that thing right now that you're supposed to be doing what you are doing right now and that that's fine and whether you like it or you don't like it you don't have a choice because you know this is where life has put you um, this work does uh, in my second book I tie it into other fields like in philosophy of determinism and you know um, cognitive science neuroscience things that you know show you why you know you can only why you don't have this special self in the brain that can go off and do things or why we are bound to the causal chain of life and you know you can look at your own life and just see I move I just move physically from one thing to the next and I'm really here and if I know we're coming to an end and if I had to just bring it down to one thing it's that there's a, a gap and this is where it ties back to Alexander technique too there's a gap between what we're thinking is going on and what's actually going on and you're you know you can't be somewhere that your body is not because there's the only thing that is you is the organism that is you the full whole body that is you and this feeling that there's a you a self a person that's separate from this physical organism is really the thing that people would have to swallow but, you know, if you just take the basic truths um, and you stare at the clock and you see that it is already the next moment, how did I get here? You know, how did I get here? Now, even in this interview, I didn't know what I was going to say. Even now, the words that come out of my mouth, I can't, there's no me that can know in advance what they're going to be, that we are involuntary, physical and involuntary organisms and acceptance um, you know, is the Eastern aspect, and it's it's where I uh, land in my work. Okay, and so if if someone wants to learn more about this approach, you've got several books, and I assume that they can be found on your website. Is that right? Yes, my website. So, and yes. I'll I'll put a link to to that site by the uh, interview. And it's, it sounds like just in very general terms, you're asking people to really take a look at what the reality of their situation is, which of course is what Alexander does in its own way. And you're just bringing out some different, 
some other kinds of realities that maybe most Alexander teachers would not talk about, right? Completely, would, yes. Wouldn't know about even particularly. So it's it's it is all based on the actual reality of a person's situation and how to make the best of it. Right, and you and you get proof. You get proof. What I like about this is the proof is that you're there physically and you can see yourself. Right. So you have a way of testing whether what the, whether this is actually the case or not, right? Right. Everybody yeah. has their own evidence. Right. Right. Okay, so let's let's end on on that uh, note. My my guest today has been Jill Eng, who is uh, an Alexander Technique teacher uh, in Portland, Maine. Um, uh, she also is very um, involved in uh, what I guess we could call Eastern methods like Buddhism and Hinduism, and how and she's in in some sense combined. Alexander ideas and those and she's written several books on the topic that you can find on her website you could if you're in the Portland Maine area or I suppose someone could call you for a consultation right absolutely so yes. you're available by phone or Skype or whatever yes yes um, so if if what what uh, Jill's been talking about intrigues you you can uh, learn more about it from her or her books and um, Jill uh, thank you so much for being on the show today thank you so much it's a thrill really thank you